It is so good to be with you here as we continue our series, uh, three-month series, really, on transforming our life, how to transform our life. We talked last month, of course, about Bible study, transforming our Bible study. This month, we're focusing on prayer. Next month, we'll focus on service. So in our talks about prayer, we talked, first of all, the first week about prayers of adoration, adoring God in prayer, praising God for who He is and what He's done in prayer and how prayers of adoration change our perspective on everything. They change our perspective on our sin. They change our perspective on our situation and our circumstance. They even change our perspective on ourselves. And then we talked last week about prayers of confession, that prayers of confession happen when we're convinced of God's grace, when we're convicted of our guilt and our sin, and when we're committed to change and not stay the way that we are. And this morning, of course, as we've been talking about in our communion focus and in our songs, our prayers of thanksgiving. And what I want us to focus on is not just a matter of saying thank you more often. We ought to do that. And it certainly is a good reminder to say thank you to God more often, but a perspective shift. And I believe that Psalm 138 that we're going to look at this morning will change our perspective on gratitude, on prayer, and on thanking God. It really has had an effect on me this week. Some weeks, I'll tell you, I'll kind of pull back the curtain. Some weeks, I'll get into the text. Some weeks, I'll tell you, this week, I got started and I was working through the psalm and it took me several hours and at the end of several hours, I was no closer to the end than when I started, and I was about ready to just say, I need a different text. I don't get it. I don't know how to make this make sense for what we need it to talk about. And then all of a sudden, the Lord finally, I'm kind of hard-headed sometimes, the Lord finally got through to me, and I'll tell you, this psalm, if we let it, will change our perspective on everything. I, I loved Phil's metaphor about the, the fish tank. Let me give you another metaphor. How many of you have ever played a board game? We've all played a board game, I think, right? Or, or any game of any sort, I guess. Uh, how many of you have ever won a board game? And those hands shot right up, didn't they? Yeah, I, I won a board. How do you feel about yourself when you win a game? You're kind of proud of yourself, right? At least I am. In fact, I now that my boys are old enough to play some board games with me, I hate losing. I really, really hate losing. I love to win. I love to win a game. But you know, I got to thinking about that this week, uh, just Monopoly as an example. All games are pretty much the same in this respect, in that you start with something, right? In Monopoly, I had to look this up because I didn't know, but you start with $1,500 of Monopoly money, right? You begin the game with that. And I just got to thinking, well, what would the game be like if you didn't start with anything? Well, you, it wouldn't last very long, would it? You wouldn't get around the board even one time. You couldn't buy a single property. You, you'd be bankrupt and finished before the game even began. In fact, everything that you end up buying and all the money that you end up accumulating, and in fact, the victory itself comes from the gift that you didn't do anything for. You simply received at the beginning of the game. So why is it that we take credit for the win? We take credit for the win because we take for granted the gift. It's kind of like our life, isn't it? We take credit for the win because we take for granted the gifts. We forget. I didn't do anything to deserve that. I didn't deserve, I didn't merit to have that. 
And my victory or success is due to the things that I was given as a gift. Let's look at Psalm 138 and think through this. Now, it, it appears that if the, the psalmist and, and the, the introduction tells us that, tells us that that's David. And so it seems that David has had some sort of specific event that he's thanking God for. He, God has given him some sort of success or victory. He has had a win and he is thanking God for his specific Win. But we need to understand and remember that these psalms were written for the people of Israel and then later the, the new Israel, the church, to use these as models to shape our mind and our heart and to shape our praise and our prayers. And so I want us to keep both of those things in mind, that David is praising God for some specific thing that he prayed to God about and he said, God help me. And God helped him, and then he's thanking God for that help, for that success, for that victory, for that win. And so he says in verse 1, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart, before the gods I sing your praise. Now, that's an interesting phrase, isn't it? One translation, I think, says before the angels, uh, so that's their interpretation of what that might mean. Some commentators kind of take the idea that maybe he's using gods to talk about the gods on the earth, which would be the kings. I, I really have no problem thinking that David is saying before the idols, before the false gods that really aren't gods at all. It reminds me a lot of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8. He says there are many quote-unquote gods, and many quote-unquote lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things, before whom are all things, and for whom we exist. And so David seems to be saying, before all these so-called gods, before all these so-called idols that other people give their thanks to, I give my thanks to you, God. I give my thanks to my God. I give my thanks to the only God. You know, and that got me thinking. There, there are different kinds of idols in our culture, aren't there? We, we've talked about that before, the different idols that exist in our culture, the things that we are tempted to think can save us, the things that we think might be able to make our life worth living. And, and then sometimes when we experience a win... When we experience success or victory in our life, we are tempted sometimes to give thanks to those things, aren't we? Maybe it might be a political idol. And we think that our success or our victory is due to that political idol. Or maybe it's education, or maybe it's money, or maybe it's this or that or the other. And we're tempted to give thanks to the stuff rather than the one who created the stuff. We're tempted to give thanks to the creation rather than the creator and so David says, with all my heart, I give thanks to you. In front of all of these other things that other people give thanks to to, I give thanks to you. Look at the next verse. Verse 2, I bow down. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. First of all, humility and thanksgiving go hand in hand. Right? 
Humility and thanksgiving go hand in hand. David experienced a victory. David experienced a win. David was in trouble. He called out to God. God answered him and he was successful. Whatever that specific situation was, David experienced a win. And when he experienced a win, he hit his knees. Humility and thanksgiving go hand in hand. You see, again, back to the game metaphor that when I win a game of Monopoly, I don't say, thank you, banker, for giving me all that money in the beginning because I couldn't have done any of this without you. Why? Because I take for granted all that I got at the beginning and I take credit for the win. See, here's, here's really where I want us to hone in on that the arrogant congratulate themselves and the humble congratulate God. Do you see the difference? The arrogant congratulate themselves for their successes. And the humble congratulate God when they are successful. And he says, you have exalted above all things your name and your word. In other words, the greatness of your name is proved by the keeping of your word or the keeping of your promises. In other words, you've made promises to me. And God did make promises to David, and God fulfilled those promises. And what David, I think, is saying is that your greatness is exalted because you keep your promises. One translation puts it this way, doing what you promised will make you even more famous. God promised to exalt and protect, provide for David, and he kept that promise. And so David is congratulating God and saying, God, you're going to be even more great. Even more people are going to know who you are because of this success of yours. See, it almost takes us out of the equation almost altogether, doesn't it? Except that we're just the recipient of it. You see, when, when we have a victory, when we have a win, when we have a success, who do we congratulate and say, yes, this is great for me. This is great because of me. And David says, no, 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 this is great because of God and this is great for God. Not this is great because of what it means for me. This is great for what it means for God's name. This is what it, this is great for God because of what it's going to do for His glory. More people are going to know about God. More people are going to praise God. More people are going to fear God because of what He's done for me and through me. It's not about me. It's about what He's done. It's for Him. Now, now here's another thing. Now, I'm sure that when David, he says, on the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. On the day I called, you answered me. So David, I'm sure, because as we read through the Psalms, we get the general idea that David was a pretty enthusiastic guy, wasn't he? He was a kind of a passionate guy. But here's the thing. He seems to have had as much enthusiasm in the thanking as he does in the asking. David has as much enthusiasm in the thanking as he does in the asking. And it makes me wonder and look at my own life and prayers and say, Wes, do you ask or thank with more enthusiasm? I mean, sometimes when things are going bad and we're scared and we're anxious 
and we're desperate and we call out to God and say, God, fix this situation. Help me. I'm desperate. And that's what we ought to do, by the way. And then when God answers us and God blesses us and God cares for us and He fixes the situation and then we give Him a brief, thanks for that, God. Appreciate it. And we move on. Do we thank with the same level of enthusiasm as we ask? It sure seems like we ought to. Look at verse 4. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, He regards the lowly, but the haughty He knows from afar. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, because of this thing that you have done for me, and again, that's applicable to anything that he's done for you, anything that he's done for me, anything he's done for us, that we're thanking God about. And he's saying, because of this thing that you've done for me, the kings of the earth are going to hear about it. The kings of the earth are going to hear about how good you are and about what you do, the kind of God you are, how you keep your promises, and they're going to sing praise to you. How do you suppose they're going to hear about it? Imagine David saying, I'm going to tell them, right? My enthusiasm, my gratitude is going to be contagious. Other kings are going to hear about how great you are. Other kings are going to hear about what you've done. And they're going to praise you. And they're going to thank you. Again, do you see the congratulations? It's a good word, isn't it? It's kind of profound to think about the fact that prayers of thanksgiving are congratulating God. And that David is saying, congratulations, God. Because of this that you've done, people are going to hear about how good you are. People are going to hear, and they're going to know, and they're going to pray, and they're going to fear, and they're going to sing, and they're going to praise this enthusiasm that I have out of gratitude for you for keeping your promises and doing this for me. It's going to spread around the world. You see, prayers of thanksgiving, it, it's, it is about stopping to say thank you. I think about the lepers sometimes. You remember the ten lepers? And Jesus healed them and they all went away and only one, a foreigner, came back to say thank you. And how often we fail to do even that. You see, but prayers of thanksgiving come from the overflow of a grateful heart, don't they? It's about changing our perspective on our wins. It's about changing our perspective on our victories. It's about changing our perspective on our successes. And so that we don't take credit for them and we realize it's really not about what this means for me. It's about what this means for God. It's about what it means for His glory. It means for what it, it, it is about what it will do for His reputation. David says, I can't wait to tell other people about it. This, what you've done for me is going to cause others to sing your praise and exalt you and praise you and fear you. And here's another thing, verse six. What makes God so great? What is it that David says in verse 6 is that what makes God so great? It says that it's because the, even though the Lord is high, He regards the lowly. That's what makes our God so great. That He, even though He's high, He's in heaven, and He's on, our, on His throne, and He's exalted above all of this, He regards 
He has compassion on and listens to the lowly. Uh, that, that, I think, would be those that are in a lowly state, but also those that have a lowly spirit. Those who are, as Jesus put it, poor in spirit. Those who are humble. Those who know that they need the Lord. Those that don't take credit for their successes. But as a contrast, David says, but the haughty, he knows from afar. He's close to the lowly. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news to know that when you are in a lowly situation, and when you're hurting, and you're desperate, and you're broken, and you know that God is your only hope and your only chance, that He's not far from you, that He hears you and He listens to you and He's right there if you'll just reach out and take hold, that's good news, isn't it? But don't forget that when you become a king. Don't forget that when you become a queen. Don't forget that when things are going well. Don't forget that everything you have, every success, every victory, every win, God gets the credit. Because He's a long way away from the haughty, but He's close to the lowly. Verse 7, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. If gratitude or thanksgiving and humility go hand in hand, so do gratitude and confidence. Do you see, gratitude for the past and how God has answered your prayers in the past and how God has helped you and has, as God has sustained you and all the things that you have to congratulate God about, it gives you confidence for the future, doesn't it? And when you know, well, he's come with me this far and he's done this much for me and he's preserved my life and he's blessed me and he's loved me and he's been close to me it gives you confidence for the future you know I don't have to worry as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil why? because your rod and your staff they comfort me how do I know that when I go into the valley of the shadow of death How do I know that when I see and perceive evil that He will be with me? Because He has been. And He will be. And gratitude evokes confidence. One of the reasons we don't have the confidence and the faith that we need in the face of trouble is because we haven't stopped to count our many blessings. We haven't stopped to thank God for what He's already done for us. David was confident of future blessings because he was grateful for past blessings. Again, I want to close with this thought. A prayer of thanksgiving is a congratulations to God on His victory. A prayer of thanksgiving is a congratulations to God on His victory. Let's think through that for just a second. What if we really applied this to our life? I mean, think about all the things that we have to be grateful for. Air to breathe. Blood coursing through our veins. Eyes to see, ears to hear, feet to walk, hands to touch. People to love. Money in our bank account. Food to buy and purchase. A house to live in. All of these things. What if we so shifted our thinking on those blessings that we not just say thank you to God for those blessings, 
But we say congratulations to God for those blessings. And to say, God, because you've given me all these things, you're going to be even more famous than you already are. Your glory is going to spread to the ends of the earth. People are going to get sick and tired of hearing me say how great you are. Congratulations, God. You gave me food for another day. And this this bodes well for your reputation. This bodes well for your glory. I'm going to give thanks to you and praise to you. And my enthusiasm of gratitude is going to be overflowing today because of all these things that you've given me. What if we stopped after a successful surgery, not just to thank God for bringing us through that surgery, but to congratulate him? Because he's preserved our life, it's going to mean that we are even more hard working for Him. Even more enthusiastic about telling others about His goodness. But most of all, going back to our communion focus this morning, the thing that we say thanks be to God about more than any other is the victory we have in Jesus Christ. And shouldn't that be a congratulations to God? Congratulations, God, you overcame sin and death. Congratulations, you kept your promises. Congratulations, God, even though Israel consistently tried to break away from you and they rebelled, you held on to them and you were faithful to them until your son came so that you could create a new Israel and you could overcome sin and death through his cross and his resurrection. And now we have that victory in him and now we are your people. Congratulations, Lord. This means people across the world have and will continue to know about your glory. I mean, if David's prayer and praise of thanksgiving is anything, it's a prophecy, isn't it? That the kings of the earth sing God's praises because of Jesus Christ. And we congratulate God on His victory. Not just because it means my salvation, but because it means His praise and His glory, now and forevermore. Let us be a people that that kind of gratitude, that that kind of congratulations, that that kind of thanksgiving is pouring out of our heart. And that if if somebody were to say, you can't thank God anymore for His blessings, you would just explode because you can't help but speak about the things you've seen and heard. You can't help say what God has done for you. Again, yeah, we need to be reminded, say thank you more often. Spend more time thanking God in prayer. But I don't know about you, but I need a shift in my perspective. I need to change my perspective. And I need to realize that my victories aren't my victories. They're from Him and they're for Him. My victories are His victories. I don't need the congratulations. He does. And I don't deserve any of it. I don't merit any of it. Sometimes people ask me, how you doing? I say, better than I deserve. And sometimes people say, oh, Wes, no, come on. You're, you're No, I really am better than I deserve. I know what I deserve. Nothing. I deserve punishment. I've sinned and fallen short of God's glory. I don't deserve any good thing. It's all a gift. That's what grace means. It's a gift. And I've been blessed far beyond what I deserve. And if that isn't exuding from every pore in our body, then we haven't understood the gospel of Jesus Christ yet. 
Let us get it into our mind and get it into our heart that we are saved by grace through faith and this not of works so that none of us can boast. Maybe there's somebody here this morning that hasn't received that gift of salvation yet. And you need to be buried with Jesus in baptism. Appealing to Him for a clean conscience. Calling out on the name of the Lord that you might be saved. Acts 22 and verse 16. If you haven't done that yet, what are you waiting for? He loves to bless. He loves to save. He loves to forgive. He wants every man and woman on this planet to hear what He has done for them in Christ Jesus. And you, if you haven't received that blessing yet, what are you waiting for? And if you have received that blessing, then let's live with gratitude. The proper response to grace is gratitude and thanksgiving, congratulating God on His numerous victories. If we can help you, if we can pray with you, there's a room in the back. Our shepherds would love to meet with you and pray with you after services. You can come forward as we stand and sing.